0: To another edition of the scout team podcast i'm Emery hunt the czar of the playbook and this is episode 12 of the scout team podcast and on this episode we will break down or give you my overview of the 2017 nfl draft cornerback prospects i'm done grading the cornerback prospects 53 guys in total and to be honest that wraps up my fbgp scouting prospect gradings as a whole we've graded 532 prospects across all positions. So needless to say, I'm glad that this grading process is over. Now we get to produce videos and you get to see my full rankings in their totality. So be sure to follow on Twitter, at Plan, that's my account. And also, at FBGPScouting, where we're going to release a lot of our videos and also a lot of our individual scouting reports uh, via that outlet. So, those are the two accounts you want to follow. Also, subscribe on YouTube at YouTube.com slash FootballGamePlan and become a fan of ours on Facebook and like my page on Facebook and also follow us on Instagram. Tomorrow, I'll be in the Fantasy sports TV studio uh, doing a segment on the NFL combine as well. I know the final part of the combine is tomorrow with the cornerback prospects and defensive backs. I'm sorry, working out. So that's corners and safeties. Then after that, I'm heading right to the studio to record our quarterback running back wide receiver and also tight end prospect rankings and hopefully get those out on tuesday and then wednesday jump back and tuesday jump back into the studio and record o-line d-line linebackers and defensive backs so we have a lot of stuff going on this week in addition to going to some pro days this week and as i check my calendar today on let me see the what i have going on this week on the ever so busy calendar um, Wednesday, Temple's Pro Day is Wednesday, uh, March 8th. Then on the 9th, Alec Torgerson, the quarterback from Penn, he's having his Pro Day uh, as well. And then Rutgers' Pro Day is also this week, Friday, March 10th. So Needless to say, it's an action-packed week for me and also for uh, you guys because you guys are the direct beneficiaries of all this great content that we put out. So, again, be on the lookout for our prospect rankings videos, uh, me on the Fantasy Sports Television Network. Uh, download that app, guys, because I've was i been on five shows so far. Great studio, great host. Uh, you could download the app. You can watch it live on TV as well. Uh, you have to check your local listings. So be on the lookout for that. I'll be in the studio tomorrow with those guys from 11 to 1 talking about the NFL Combine. And I'll also give you some news notes and tidbits on scouting and things of that nature. So a lot of fun with those guys as well. And that's in Midtown Manhattan. Today, uh, we're going to talk about these cornerback prospects. But first, like I said before, it's the NFL Combine. It wraps up tomorrow tomorrow. Uh, Thank God, because here's the thing about the combine. You like the, you like the entertainment value of the combine, even though all it is is guys working out in you know sweats, right? Guys run to 40, guys doing bench press, they're jumping high, they're doing drills. Even though that's all it is, it's still an entertaining watch. I don't care what anybody says. You always want to see who runs fast. You always want to see who does what in drills. You just want to see how these guys actually move in, a, in an environment that they're not familiar with. So I think the combine is fun to watch on TV and what I don't what here's the thing It's funny. Football, they say football is a flat circle or football coverage is a flat circle. I completely agree because in the in the off season you hear, "Oh, nothing matters but the tape. The tape, the tape, the tape, the tape. Watch the tape. Got to trust the tape. Got to trust what you see, trust the tape." And then as we slowly go to go through the season, it transitions to don't take the bowl games too serious it's just a bowl game it's an all-star game essentially don't take the bowl games too seriously oh you got it you got to trust the regular season you can't really trust what you see in the bowl game and what we do overreact to the bowl game then you transition to the all-star circuit well you know it's an all-star game guys really only have 2 or 3 days of practice you can't really put too much stock in it and what happens overreaction to the all-star games then you get to the combine. Well, you know, it's just a workout. It's not real pass. Trust what you saw during the season, throughout the career, throughout the game tape. Trust the tape. It's just a workout. Don't overreact to it. And what's the first thing that happens when someone's hand size measures in at 9 and 3, 8.6? Oh, oh, I, I mean, I, that threshold, man, you got to have you your hand size has to be at nine point three eight point seven. See, if it's at 3, 8.6, I, you know, what quarterbacks have ever had success with the hand size of 9.3.6 overreaction to the combine is my favorite pastime because you see the takes and people's board changing and here's the thing it, one example earlier in the season there was you know talk about Alabama's defense being decent and, and being good and, and and rightfully so because Alabama's defense seems to always be good and then Jonathan Allen jumps over a running back who didn't want to block him. And kudos to the running back, because at the end of the day, speaking from experience, we don't want to block anybody. You know, our job is to carry the football. Our job is to receive the football out of the backfield. Our job is not to block dudes, especially dudes the size of Jonathan Allen. So. Kudos to the running back for going out of his way to not block him. But the point is, Jonathan Allen jumped over this running back, made a tackle, made a sack, sack and a fumble. Then all of a sudden, he goes from a big defensive lineman that jumped over a running back that didn't want to block him to the next Endomicon suit. Amazing how that works in one play. Viral sensation on the Twitter Nets, viral sensation on Facebook. You know, I think he was on Letterman, all that stuff like that, right? And then you fast-forward throughout the season. And you slowly start to see people not hype him up as much. Because I remember uh, the following uh, Monday, all the mock drafts, Jonathan Allen, number one. You got to build around Jonathan Allen because he's in Dominican Sioux in the sheets and he's Reggie White in the streets. You know, people are going crazy, man. So I just think that, you know, people tend to be prisoners of the moment. and, And sometimes that's great. And sometimes that's that's bad, especially if you're in the evaluation game. So, fast forward to the combine. Now, Jonathan Allen doesn't run as fast, doesn't jump as high, doesn't lift as much, also has a shoulder injury, and now everybody is dropping him on their boards because of what they saw in the workout or what they heard from uh, scouts about his shoulder. And again, maybe you're dropping him to where he probably should have been graded anyway. So, is that an overreaction to the combine, or is that people not trusting what they saw and still and just trying to follow the herd? Uh, and I'm gonna tell you right now: yes, there's powers and numbers, but there's also mass suicides as well. So think for yourself, be your own person, trust what you see, trust what you evaluate, and keep that going. You can use a combine if you're a com- if you're a combine guy that uses uh, certain uh, measurements and numbers to finalize your grade. Knock yourself out. All you know that that is something that most people do. Uh, I don't do it because I don't too much weigh much on the combine. I weigh heavily on the medicals, but that's something I can't wait to find out. And I won't know for sure uh, who is hurt and what to what extent. So I just grade off the tape. Now some people are able to use athletic testing and uh, the vertical jumps and the, the splits and all that for their final evaluation. That's fine. You know, I have no issue with that. I think that's awesome that some people choose to find value in in uh, those workouts, but don't change your entire evaluation because a dude just ran slow. When essentially, for instance, Jordan Willis sack master all season long for Kansas State, even stepped up big in the bowl game against Texas A&M, where the number one project the projected number one overall superstar. Uh, titan and god of a prospect according to uh, most people Miles Garrett was on the other side getting blocked by every offensive lineman that Kansas State had individually you know people act like this guy was uh, just getting quintuple teamed if that's even a word but he was basically doing what he does best get blocked one on one by tackles and sometimes by tight ends Um, but on on the flip side Jordan Willis was just balling and he just kept flashing and people found ways to knock him, and it's like, oh well, you know, he just he can't run the hoop. Well, if running the hoop means getting sacks, then I don't know what you're talking about. But today he runs a faster time than Miles Garrett. He runs a faster split than Miles Garrett. Jumps two inches shorter than Miles Garrett. So he had a great workout. Miles Garrett had a great workout as well. I think he jumped 41 inches, which is just unheard of at 270 pounds. It's ridiculous. Um and he also ran a 4640 sloppy. So if he had any whoever his his speed coach is or the guy that's training him to run the 40 prior to this combine, he should fire him. First you should slap him in the face, then fire him, because he ran a four six sloppy. Imagine if he had any coaching or training technical wise, he would have probably run a four-four. So his trainer should be should be brought out back and shot in the back of the head and put out the pasture. But I said all that to say this. You look at Jordan Willis, and now everybody's saying, well, I'm low on Jordan. Well, Well, what were you doing all season? This is the same dude that has done this all season long. Like, what were you doing? Were you too focused on the same 17 prospects that many people talk about on Twitter all day? Or were you really doing scouting work? Or were you really doing your film work? Because the film will tell you everything. And at the end of the day, if you go out here, and let's say, for instance, um someone like I kid so many guys ran. I was just in and out of the combine like watching it on TV, but let's say if someone plays lightning fast and then they come out here and run slow. That surprises you because like, "Well, why why does this guy play fast but run slow?" That's puzzling. Or if a guy comes out and just blazes up the track but can't move anything on a football field you like well why doesn't he play this way that he works out that's when you have those that's when you have those questions but for the most part your skills don't change you you won't find anything about anyone's skills here the skills are on the film and i think that's where people tend to overreact with the combine man you can't do that and throughout all your years work your two years work on a prospect because of a workout that you just saw with him running in shorts, jumping and stuff like that. It's not even real football, man, Um, because you can't prepare for the pressure of the moment. You can't fake live. All you can do is work out. Some guys just don't test well. That's funny. It's true. Some guys just don't test well on tests. I can't wait for the Wunderlich scores to start leaking out and people start downgrading prospects because of that. But some people just don't test well with these drills. Some people just don't test well on paper with the with the Wunderlich test. So don't weigh this combine performance or lack thereof heavily, guys. Focus on what you saw on film. Trust that and stick with your own opinion. Now, again, 12 minutes in, we get here to what we're here for, uh, my cornerback overview again we're going to roll out all these these grades all 53 guys got scouting reports on film man i watched a ton of cornerback film man and uh, it's amazing how when you watch film just a scout a prospect and you watch so much of it you tend to start finding yourself game planning like man if if i were coaching against this team i would do this 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 and this yeah that's just i guess that's just part of watching film and how much you watch and schematically what you're seeing but the top cornerback that I graded out this year is Jalen Tabor out of Florida and in my opinion this guy is the closest thing to Marcus Peters in this draft class just a clean prospect technically sound um both in his back pedal in man coverage he can play zone very well he has a ball skills I think he's just a tremendous cornerback uh, just a clean cornerback prospect Big fan of his game, and he graded very high, in my opinion, or on my list. Um, and he is a top overall corner. Now, this is a great group of cornerbacks, man. A lot of guys are one or two points off from each other, uh, but all within that very good range. You know, so Tabor is the, is the guy that's the, the best cornerback prospect According to my eyes, in this year's draft class, Uh, the most underrated prospects. I'm gonna give you four guys that I had written down um, that that I think are being vastly underrated. A couple of guys will work out tomorrow. Um, Channing Stribling of Michigan, I think is excellent. You know, he's he's built like a lowercase L. You know, but he's out there competing. He's getting physical. He can run. um, He has good ball skills as far as ball awareness, batting the ball away, fighting for the football. I like his game, man. I think he is. He plays with length, he plays with passion and aggressiveness, and he's also not afraid to come up there and lay a pop. It doesn't matter that he's built like a sour punch draw. He goes up there against the run, flies in there, sets the edge or closes uh, that gap quickly and really puts down um, the ball carry. So I like his game. I think he's being vastly underrated. Ashton Lampkin of Oklahoma State. This was a guy in 2013, jumped on the scene, was excellent, tremendous. He was like, this dude's going to be a, a first-round pick, the next in line of, of good corners coming out of that Oklahoma State program, but then he had the injury in 2014, um, missed the rest of the season, and then he had a hand injury in 2015, and this year he kind of stayed on the straight and narrow health-wise and made it through the season, but I do think his skill is solid. He has solid overall skills that plays like an NFL corner. Um, you just hope he can stay healthy, so I think health-permitting He's going to get better and get back to what we saw earlier in his career, but I do think his skills is underrated. He had a terrific week uh, at the East-West Shrine game. I was impressed with his game uh, enough so to where I made sure I went back and watched the film and to double-check if this was the guy that I thought I saw back in 2013. Corn Elder is another player I think is being vastly underrated. You talk about a guy that has good all-around game and just plays a position like you want to see a cornerback play it from an instinct standpoint, from a ball skill standpoint, from a fluidness standpoint. You're gonna like Cole, um, uh, Cole Elder or Corn Elder. I'm sorry, Cole Elder, but Corn Elder, and he was another guy that that was you don't want to say shows good leadership because what does what does that look like? You know, screaming at the teammates, uh, nothing like that, but he does he has this aura about him that that guys on that defense tend to follow, they listen to him, so you like to see that, he was a captain um, and he can play anywhere, he can play on the boundary he can play on uh field side he can play in the slot, just a big fan of his game and what he brings to the table and he is a very smart uh, football player, and Jeremy Cutra of Middle Tennessee State, his ability to just to shrink space is impressive, I'm going from a Dead stop to downhill making a beeline to that ball carrier to blow up an outside run or blow up a bubble screen or something like that, or even just close in on a hitch and pick it off or bat it away. Cutra is the guy that does a great job in doing so. And very underrated, people will look at his size and say he's a little bit light. He's not a physical guy, but I think he's more physical um, within the route against stronger, bigger wide receivers. Um than a Sidney Jones is so you don't see Cutter getting bodied all over the place and, and moved off the spot he is very tough for a slender frame and when you have that plus that acceleration it makes you a, a very intriguing prospect because what happens is if you're able to close that space quickly quarterbacks can't they can't bait you in they can't Uh, think they could throw that hitch late because you can close on that ball and you're going to close on it and either pick it off or knock it away. So, I think those guys are very underrated corners uh, in this draft class. You don't hear a lot of talking about some sleeper prospects going deep, uh, sleepers going with the you got one FCS, uh, two FCS guys and and two division two guys. Start with the division two guys. Uh, Titus Howard, he's an early entry from Slippery Rock. Now, you may even remember him from Pitt. He was a Pitt Panther, transferred to Slippery Rock, which is nearby. And the good thing about that, I was able to see his game live. I actually called his game live against Westchester uh, earlier in the year. And that, funny story about that game, man um, Westchester just put down a new turf, and it was beautiful bright green, purple end zones with the gold WCU Rams. In the end zone with the RAM logo on the middle. But the problem was it was ninety-five degrees that day. So all you smelled was rubber off the turf. And then it was super hot because we we're in the broadcast booth and the air conditioning was broken. So sweating my tail off in the suit, calling this ball game. So we did it's funny. If you if I posted a picture on Instagram, but before the game, me and the me and the color, I mean the play by play guy. We, we go down there, we do our broadcast open. You know, when, the, when the, uh, the game starts, they have the either the zoom in or the pan out from the stadium, and it goes to the broadcaster and the color guy on this field doing their pregame, players of the game, keys to, keys to victory and stuff like that. So we did that, and we were dying. And then we get up to the press box, and it was – still hot it was just hot it probably was cooler on the field than it was in that press box because it was a packed press box because you had prospects uh like doug gilbert of westchester the, the outstanding tackle you had defensive end marcus martin who's going to be a tremendous talent um that you should keep an eye on earmark for next year defensive end guy six three, two forty five, broke the all-time sack record at division two level at the division two level in that ball game and also at slippery rocks sack record in that ball game. I think he had like fifty three TFLs in his career. So he is nuts. And he had an opportunity to play in the senior bowl this year had he graduated early. And he was on pace to do so. But things didn't work out as far as on the senior bowl side. So he uh ended up he didn't leave early. He's gonna come back for his senior year and he's gonna put up monster numbers. But he's gonna be a guy that you're gonna hear about in the senior bowl next season. But Titus Howard that day, and Westchester loves to throw the football. They spread the field and love to throw the football. Howard was tremendous. He's an excellent corner. He's 6'2", about 180. He looks longer than that. He looks like a 6'5", corner, and he's got those long, wiry arms, built like Metroid, able to go out there and really get in the face of these wide receivers, bat the ball away. And when you're, when you're an angular corner, it is tough to gauge as a quarterback because you don't know how – this guy's reaches or what's his wingspan, and Howard was impressive. So going through his season, as far as watching the film, you saw the same things. Sometimes they played him off. Sometimes they played him up on the line of scrimmage. He has the quick feet to re- to where he can uh, drive on the football and make a play. So he's impressive across the board, and you can see why he was offered a scholarship at Pitt, um, and a lot of what he did at Pitt still translated to slippery rock, and he put together a fine season. Uh, another Division II guy is Willie Bailey Jr. out of Virginia Union. You talk about a guy that's a little bit raw as far as technique, um, a little bit herky jerky coming out of his break, but the acceleration to the ball, the ball skills themselves, and the pop upon contact, he has it, man. He's a guy that had, I believe he had eight interceptions this year. Um, Took two back to the house, and once he gets his hands on the football, he is flying in the other direction. Willie Bailey Jr. Um, I think he was a highly recruited player coming out of high school. Actually, I think was recruited to Florida. Uh, ended up going to Virginia Union. Uh, transferred, went to the Virginia Union, and just built on that. They moved him all around the secondary. So some may see him as a safety. Some may see him as a boundary guy, or a slot guy. I think you just find a way to put him in the secondary. I, I like his ball skills. Again, his acceleration is that of Jeremy Cutra of Middle Tennessee. Um, but Bailey was impressive on film. He's one that's a deep sleeper that you should keep an eye on. Also, and where I saw him and made me go to the film was he was at the D.C. Regional Combine I was at. Uh, last week where he put together a phenomenal performance, athleticism, uh, fluid going in and out of his breaks, just like Bakari, blunt of assumption. I talked about him before. Um, Another sleeper you should keep an eye on, Division II prospect uh, as well, but Bailey was just impressive, just a fluid athlete, and when you go and watch the film, you can see the ball skills and the bursts that I saw at the D.C. Regional Combine. And Finally, the other sleepers are from the FCS level, and that's the two guys from the University of San Diego, the Toreros, and that's impressive because you have these two guys um, that are tremendous talents, Uh, and San Diego is the Pioneer League, and they get a lot of flack because they say the Pioneer League is not strong, but every time I look up... Dayton is upsetting somebody. Butler is upsetting somebody. San Diego can get with you and and has been a consistent performer and has put out pro prospects before, Uh, Josh Johnson, the quarterback, being the most recent. Um, We're going to talk about them next year because they have a tremendous tight end in Ross Dwelly. You talk about another Pioneer League guy in Drake's Eric Solbert this year who played in the East West Shrine game and also the Senior Bowl, but you're gonna like um Ross Duelli of San Diego. So San Diego has some talent. It's a reason why they're they're always successful. But these two cornerbacks, Jamal Agnew and Devin Bryant, are fabulous. Bryant is a guy that's the more solid field corner, good athlete, um I'm sorry, boundary guy that you want, uh, you know, mirroring your your best wide receiver. He's calm, he's patient. He got great ball skills. On the flip side you got uh, Agnew, who has a burst, the quickness. He can jump routes, and he has athleticism to run with the fastest guy to run with that flanker. He also is a very good punt returner, so it made life hard for opposing quarterbacks in the Pioneer League when you have two tremendous talents uh, on the flanks, and that's what I like about San Diego. Both guys complemented each other very well. Both were great in their own right. I believe Agnew played in the NFL PA game, and he's, a, he's the one that actually locked up Eric Solbert in the game versus Drake that I watched on film, and I wanted to see that game in particular because Drake again had the the talented tight end, the pro prospect. How did they utilize uh, Agnew in that game? They moved him around. They actually matched him up on Solbert, and Solbert couldn't catch a ball against Agnew. So Agnew is a real good player. Bryant is the one that's locked up on the number one wide receiver, and he's always doing his thing, very technically sound, and also has the ball skills that you look for. So that's my overall thoughts on. What I saw from this class and just another quick th- thought is that these group, this group of quarter uh, cornerbacks, I'm sorry, um, really good as far as you see a lot of guys that are good with their hands. This is probably the most hands on cornerback group I've seen in quite some time. A lot of guys are very good at pressing. A lot of guys are very good at rerouting wide receivers. Very good with their hands. Very good in zone. So you see guys that are that are able to play zone now is, is, and still able to play man. So I like the versatility of this group of cornerbacks. I think this is going to be a terrific group. You're going to see these guys work out. On uh, Monday, the last day of the combine and run fast and jump high and all that stuff that they do. But this is a really good group. I can't wait to show you guys the full rankings. I know it's going to cause some controversy just like my Miles Garrett take did. Uh, people get so emotional with these these uh, draft takes, man. You don't want everybody having the same take. It's a better question to be – it was funny because here I had the take that, you know, talking about Miles Garrett, um, people – if I was the Browns, I would probably – be willing to trade that number one pick if someone wanted Garrett. Uh, I would hype up that number one pick, hype up Garrett, make somebody give me King's ransom, trade down a little bit, get my quarterback that I want, and still have more picks to move up and down to do what I want to do. So, someone took that and was like, "Oh my God, I'm tired of these terrible takes of yours." And this, this, this like, then after he goes on this, 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 you know, Twitter gangster rant. Well, I just want to know, well, who your? where do you have him uh, graded? So actually, he's my number one edge rusher. Crickets. So, yes, you can be critical of somebody and still have a positive outlook on what he does on film and what he can do. So that's the problem you see with Twitter. It's a lot of circle jerks going on and also a lot of crowdsourcing of information and also a lot of uh, people just agreeing with each other because people are afraid to stand by themselves. Be a man sometimes or a woman. Stand up on your own too. say what you want to say. If you if you feel as though this person is a B or C, then say that. Don't say he's X, Y and Z because everybody else is doing it again. There's power in numbers. But there's also mass suicides as well. Be the constant in the ever sea of changing opinions. Stay true to what you see, what you've seen. Always trust what you see on film, and don't let anyone tell you any different. I, again, I know a lot of people like to ask information, and and that's all fine and dandy, man, because you know you want to learn from people and that's it, that's the best way to learn is to ask questions. I'm not saying don't ask questions, but when you're watching film, you want to block out everybody's opinions because you don't want nothing to influence what you're seeing because you don't know what biases that person may have. For instance, if you're asking if if you're watching Elijah Maguire and you ask me, "Well, what do I think about Elijah Maguire?" and I tell you he's the best running back since Gale Sayers, and you start watching him from that perspective, I just, I just tainted your view of, of Elijah McGuire, and you don't know that I played at University of Louisiana, so I'm inherently biased to any Louisiana prospect. So that's why I say you want to tune everybody out, probably put some music on while you're watching, don't read Twitter, don't ask anyone what they think about of a player. You just figure it out by watching film, however many games you choose to watch, that's on you um, until you get a good gauge on him. And then after you've graded him and share your grades and share your thoughts, then you go back and forth with somebody because they may have seen something that you may have missed or may point you in a different direction a different way to look at it but your initial thoughts are already formed by your own two eyes so again follow FBGP Scouting on Twitter follow me on Twitter at FBallGamePlan youtube.com slash football game plan subscribe to that download the Fantasy Sports Network app I will be on that show tomorrow from 11 to 1 and be on the lookout for all of our grades coming down the pike this week